It's Tuesday, December 1st, 2020, and this is the Talk Film Society Podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico. As always, I'm always here. Uh, Editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, founder of Talk Film Society. Uh, Here once again, uh, covering the films of 2020 in this ongoing series. For the... uh, I don't want to even say rebooted show. I'm just bringing it back because why not? It's it's like it's like a it's like a coat you have in your closet that you just bring out every once in a while. Uh, and, and for this episode, one an occasion. So for those who are maybe catching on to this theme in the first three episodes of this new uh, run, first episode I had the co-host of Dream a Little Deeper, our new talk from Society podcast. Second episode, I had the co-host of uh, Steve and Destroy, another. Talk from Society podcast that's new to the network. And for this episode, I had to do this because this is completing the trilogy. Uh, I have uh, my co hosts on Trek Film Society, which is now out on Patreon and uh, coming up real soon on the free feeds on the Talk from Society network. It's Mike Schindler and Diego Crespo. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hello, hello. Hey. We're still alive. <laughs> We're here. We're here, man. Um, so, I mean, where do we even start? Uh, uh, first off, it's great talking to you again because uh, it's been a while since we've all come together. But I, I think you two have recorded something, you know, recently, and we'll we'll talk about that later on. Um, but yeah, we for, for those who don't know who we are. Uh, we f- we first got together and did a little show called uh, Bayhem, the Michael Bay retrospective podcast. Also on Talk from Society, uh, we did that last year, and it it dropped. I think sort of around this time, right? Wasn't it like December, early December that that uh, Sex Underground came out, and then mm-hmm. all those yep. episodes dropped. Man, yeah, it had to. Was, yeah, came out in December in order to qualify for. Oscar consideration. <laughs> yeah, of course. And how many Oscars did did that end up getting? By uh, the way, all of them. Uh, <laughs> all, all, all the Oscars. Should have, to be honest. Oh, but honestly, yeah. yeah, that that and it's a movie I saw in theaters, and it was a great experience seeing that movie in a theater. We'll talk more about theaters here in a bit too. Um, God, that was that was such a great time. First off, going through that series with you two, it was great, and then finally having. Six Underground as the like you know victory lap of that whole thing that was fun, um, and then I think it was of course it was you Mike who brought up the idea of let's do a Star Trek series for Talk from Society. Mike, I'm gonna toss it to you. Why don't you tell me and the listeners you know or recount that sort of pitch that you gave me for Trek from Society? Yeah, you know I've done a lot of Star Trek podcasts in the past but they've always been for sort of like star trek fan networks and they're great and everything but the thing about star trek fan podcasts is that they're very much sort of like love letters to the franchise and i mean granted i love the franchise right i mean that's my my number one thing but if there's one thing that i love more than than star trek is movies and nobody ever really talks about these from like a movie perspective from like a film perspective and you know with sort of like the permission to be a bit more critical but also uh coming at it not from the lens of like how does this compare 
to all the Star Trek that's come before, but how does this compare to all the movies that have come before? And I, I thought it would be cool to, to kind of take a look at it uh, in that way. And I thought that... I, I I don't know. I may, maybe that's not what ended up it ended up becoming, but um, <laughs> but but I, I think that that it, it was cool. I don't know. That was that was, my, that was my idea. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if, thinking back on it now, and I I have not had a chance to listen back to all fourteen episodes mm-hmm. because. <laughs> Um, uh, and I'll, I'll, at first, I want to say, Mike, thank you for editing all those episodes. Um, and all, all I did was hit the publish button. And right now, they're all, they're all on Patreon. How many hours is it, Mike? How many total? Uh, it's over 17. 17? Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> it, might, it might be over 18 hours, uh, actually, but I'm not. I uh, I forgot, because when I went through and, and uploaded them, when I put it up on the Patreon, I looked at the run times, and I go, wow, yeah. I can't believe we did... <laughs> For each episode, just about an hour's worth. Mm-hmm. And then for the final episode for Beyond, I think we did like 90 minutes, which is... Yeah, there's so much are over an hour and a half. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to toss it to Diego. Diego, uh, what what can you recount from this experience? Because, like, you know, funny... I don't know if it's funny. It's interesting. I listened back to that first episode, because there's an episode zero and then episode one where we talk about... Oh, and I should also say, I mean, if it's not clear already, uh, this the Trek Film Society series tackles the the films themselves, and this is something we haven't talked about yet. Um, Mike did this great thing where, along with the films, you know, each episode covers a film. Uh, we also watch uh, an episode of a, a various TV series of Star Trek. So, and I'll say right off the bat, a lot of those, no, a good amount of those episodes I saw were first time watches for me. And I'll get into, into that here in a bit. Um, Diego. Oh, oh, my point was episode one, where we talk about Star Trek, the motion picture. We recorded that like March 15th of 2020. (laughs) I will say this is one interesting thing going back and editing them all after the fact is not only is it a trek through the the movie franchise but it's also like a really interesting time capsule of the various stages of this pandemic (laughs) so it'll it'll hold up for years to come (laughs) for sure yeah diego what what can you recount from this experience of recording these episodes over the course of um i'm guessing the first leg of a pandemic (laughs) Uh, I remember slowly losing my mind, not because of the, the, the podcast, podcast with you guys, talking to you guys about anything is always great. I really appreciate you guys and ma- a major shout out again to Mike for editing all that yeah. into, into like a series of like stuff that's, you know, audible. And, um, <laughs> but if, I do remember like every time we recorded, it was just like, wow, everything is Everything was so bad. It's not great now, obviously. We gotta we're not out of the storm, but like just to watch our like sanity deteriorate, you know, I think that'll be kind of fun to look back at. Cause that oh, feels yeah. like a different like universe when we started that. <laughs> There's one episode, I don't know, maybe two thirds of the way through where we start up and then uh, you just stop for a second, Diego, and go like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're all drinking when we record these, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think I said something like, what's Tuesday? 
I am drinking. Mm. It's every Tuesday now. <laughs> I am drinking. Um, God, and I, I do remember bits and parts and just the fact that... Uh, and, and here's where I get into our, our personal Star Trek um, fandom levels. Because this is what I find interesting. Going to your point, Mike, uh, to your point, Mike, about how critically we come at these films. I think we do, we we do a good job. I remember in the motion picture episode, I talked about how Spock was space diving through a vagina. That's mm-hmm. something critical. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's smart, right? And then for the Into Darkness episode, we talked a lot about nine eleven. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we 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 come at it that way. But I'll just say some things I not necessarily regret, but like <laughs> I'm interested to see what bigger Star Trek fans how they react, if they react, if I get any messages online about it, about how I I think slept through the pilot episode of was it Voyager? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was, happened. Yeah. It was probably Voyager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my Star Trek fandom is like low, but I still love the franchise, and I love a lot of the episodes I saw that were first-time watches for me. I watched for the first time uh, the finale of The Next Generation. I think that was my first episode of Next Generation. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was a fun time overall, but... I, I guess it's a warning. I'm going to warn people. I may not be the biggest Star Trek fan. I came at it, you know, with as big of an, an open, you know, I, 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 I came into it saying, yes, I want to learn more. I want to experience a lot of this for the first time. And overall, I, I hope people enjoy it, my point of view anyway. But I'm going to turn it to Diego again. Talk about your level of fandom for Star Trek, Diego. Uh, it's the most important of the franchises to me, like of the big like science fiction stuff for sure. Uh, I love it with all my heart. I and I know like this is all like the, the traditional nerd thing. Like I grew up with this franchise, but like this one actually like I, I did discover at at a young age through family, and uh, it is it's remained very close to my heart because of that. And I think right now because the world is in such like a uh rough state of affairs we'll say um yeah. star star trek isn't really fantasy it's more science fiction and i think that's why the optimism um is maybe less accessible than something like star wars you know what i mean because it it's grounded in a reality that doesn't have the force to guide people it's just people doing like good decisions hopefully in the face of overwhelming odds and and sometimes when there's situations when there's no easy answer and i i i find that um the optimism shines even brighter because it's so harder to find in situations like that and uh i i go back to that more now than ever specifically (laughs) oh yeah yeah there are certain instances um i think with some like deep space Nine was a Deep Space Science episode that really nine. hit hard for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, it that was eye opening too, and it was a uh, the whole thing was a reminder of like how you're saying, Diego. It's that that franchise, Star Trek in particular, is yeah more grounded and has a lot more to say about like socio political uh, uh, topics than as much as I love Star Wars. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, uh, this is this is no yeah. anti Star no, Wars podcast no. by any means. I still love you know the the the, the Mandalorian, but you know what can I get? You know, well, seriously, we don't, out have of... to, we don't have to love that one. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Well, let's like Mike. 
Um, how how much Star Trek have you talked about? Or what? Uh, I mean, uh, is the question like uh, how many ep- how many episodes of Star Trek have you done over the years? Or like, and uh, that's one. Like, how much Star Trek have you talked about over the years? And then two, was there anything that you found like? new to touch on with this series did it did it help that i was on it because i came in with such a different perspective than any other star trek fan you know um i'm giving you a lot to talk about here mike but yeah talk about your point of view when it comes to this show yeah i've done i mean if we're talking producing i've done like over a thousand episodes of of star trek podcasts if we're talking you know just uh like recording like on on mic i've done hundreds you know like probably 400 something like that i don't know that's a lot you know there's and you run out of things to talk about especially when you're talking to you know the same people who are as big of fans as, as you are right and it becomes this sort of echo chamber you know i mean we do my friend max and i we do a a star trek discovery podcast where we do commentaries for all the new episodes as they as they air and um you know there's tons and tons and tons of of star trek discovery podcasts and i've listened to a bunch of them and at some point you do kind of get into this sort of like echo chamber scenario right where like everyone is pretty much saying the same thing because they're all looking at it from the same perspective and there have been moments in the star trek franchise in particular where people have kind of taken a step back and said something about the movies from a perspective that i hadn't seen before you know whether it's uh someone who's not intimately involved in the franchise or whether it's someone who was looking at these movies uh like through fresh eyes without um the baggage of everything that came after that sort of changed the way that i i saw and and the way that i appreciated or or maybe in some cases didn't appreciate as much, you know, the, these movies. So I really, and, and, and also you do see this like divide on some of these things. It's like, yeah, everybody loves Star Trek for the voyage home because it's got the whales and everything like that. <laughs> but like, you know, the JJ movies in particular, there's this massive divide between film critics and fans. And I really wanted to kind of, figure out what that was what is it that fans are seeing that make them not like these movies but more importantly what is it that critics are saying are seeing that that make them like these movies and you know how how does that stand up to something like you know an oscar movie or something like that that you know is is as critically acclaimed as you know some of these star trek things and vice versa like i don't know that just all of that seemed really interesting to me to kind of like get the perspective of someone who was not so (laughs) obsessed with these movies that they knew every single line you know what i mean yeah and one thing i'll i'll spoil because this was a huge revelation for me going through the series the film series 
I think at the beginning of the series, I was like, yeah, I've seen them all. I'll just rewatch them all and come, you know, with a new perspective. And then about, I think the episode before, or maybe the episode of uh, Star Trek, um, I think it was Insurrection. Yeah. I had, the, I had the realization of like, I've never seen Insurrection before in my life. <laughs> I thought for years I had seen it before. I don't know why. Um, so it was a fresh new watch. And um, I'll just say, I, <laughs> I don't know. I think I liked it more than. I think you too, and I think other people, other normal Star Trek fans. So that was a huge revelation for me. Yeah. Um, Insurrection, I think it's like a, might, might be a good movie. <laughs> but it was and also listeners. If you think that's a big revelation, wait till you hear us talk about Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> oh yeah, I won't spoil that. But that was that was something. Mm-hmm. That was something. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, uh, Mike, you're gonna say something. I was gonna say it was also interesting to see how you know. As you were being exposed to more stuff as the, the the series progressed, how your I don't know opinion of of things like changed. I mean, there's some movies which you appreciated more now than you did when you know you started this thing, just because you knew more about the the history of it. And oh, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's enough plug because I don't want to get more into it because I talk a lot more about how I felt about the movies and how we felt about the movies, you know, as a trio. But check it out if you want to hear more. That's, that's basically all I want. Uh, it's not all I want to say about it. But it's 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 like you know, if you're interested so far in what we're saying, and if you haven't heard Bayhem, which you should go back and hear Bayhem, folks. It's it's on it's on the iTunes feed. That was a great time too. But if you're interested so far, you don't know who we are, and you want to hear uh, us talk about Star Trek for 17 hours, going on 18 hours, it's all on the Patreon right now, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety, and it'll be on the free feeds uh, coming up soon. So yeah, um, and I'll say that all again at the end of the show. Um, so that's not just the main topic. That's, 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 not where all, that's not all we're talking about on this episode. We're also talking about 2020 movies, like I said at the top. Uh, I asked both of you to come to the table with uh, movies uh, you want to talk about for the show. Uh, and after uh, Mike incorrectly picked uh, the Trav Chicago 7, uh, Mike, what did you end up picking instead of that movie? Well, I, even though, I mean, it, it, and this is a weird year because, like, what is a 2020 yeah. movie? What is, I mean, are you guys making top 10 lists at the end of the year? You know, okay, th- th- that is that is a good point because, and this is going to be a slight tangent, and Diego, and Diego you can jump in because I want to hear your opinion on this. Because mm-hmm. me and Mike, I'm pretty sure I've had this discussion on Soderbergh 2828. Uh, I forget what episode it was. But, okay. I, I've had that in mind, Mike, and it's going to be a weird year. Because I did make, I am going to make a top ten for sure. I am going to make one. And what has rolled through my mind is like something that you had said last year. I believe it was for High Flying Bird, um, because HBO Max has a new Soderbergh movie coming out, yeah. right? Yeah. And as far as as far as I know, that is not going to go. That that's not going to have a theatrical run. No. Um, like something like Mank, it is going to have a theatrical run. I'm actually planning to see mank tonight if all goes well in a theater so we'll see we'll see if that happens like folks listening stay tuned for my review of mank later on maybe <laughs> um and then that's coming on netflix like december 4th or whatever um but yeah so that's one you know one example like let them all talk that's going to be straight to streaming mike um what uh, yeah going back to that conversation we had 
when I said High Flying Bird is going to make my top 10 and it didn't make my top 10, you were like, <laughs> no, it's not going to make your top 10, Mike, because... I, yeah, go into it because you consider a movie, film, you know, one that is shown in a theater that has a theatrical run, right? Is that am, am I putting words in your mouth, or is no, that that's basically it? I mean, basically, what yeah. it comes down to is there's so much media, and how do you separate and say like, well, that's a movie, but that's not? I mean, you talked about watching all good things, right? And and the Star Trek next generation finale it's like that's a two-hour thing which you were saying like well this is my favorite star trek next generation oh, yeah. movie you know and it's yeah. like okay <laughs> except it's a it's an episode of a tv show the lines are so blurred that it's damn near impossible to separate what is what and i mean is the comey rule a movie is it a mini series what is it i don't know and my whole thing is like it's too hard to figure it out like soderbergh says everyone's looking for a filter and you know that could be any number of things my filter just for the sake of my own sanity is like what is eligible for an oscar you know, yeah, yeah, and their their criteria seems pretty sound, which is basically a movie needs to be forty minutes or longer and needs to play theatrically in Los Angeles County for a week, and it's like that's that's perfectly reasonable to me, right? So mm-hmm. High Flying Bird, what I, at the time everyone was like, I don't live in LA, you know. It, it, I I wish I did because that city is amazing. Um, But I'm not aware of everything that comes out in theaters. And lots of times things like Netflix, you know, they forewall these things in order to qualify, but there's not really any national promotion of them. So as it turns out, I mean, this this whole conversation centered around High Flying Bird, right? And the fact that that was not getting a theatrical release. Turns out that they did screen it in some random theater for a week in LA in Uh, order to qualify. But like, that's something where Soderbergh was on record saying like, if that's what you're looking to do, that's dumb. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So (laughs) high flying bird, I think did end up on my top 10, but, Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. But when you look at it for this year, it's like, okay, well, two things. First off, they changed the rules so that if you were planning on releasing it theatrically, even if you didn't, it counts. And it's going to go through February instead of through December. And it's like, okay, well, I'll certainly make a top 10 based on that criteria, right? But I also, I'm probably going to end up making three top 10s this year. That one, (laughs) that one, uh, then one which is just like, okay, what is it, you know, cut it off at, at December 31st instead of, you know, because, I mean, that's 2021, right? So that'll be my second. But then my third is, like, what if they didn't change the rules, right? And I think this is this is sort of like the Amy that everybody is chasing, right? What if they right. didn't change the rules and the Oscars this year were movies that were released theatrically for a full week in Los Angeles County. That's basically... Um, which is hard to, like, filter through because, I mean, Diego can talk more about this. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are they even... Have they even started showing movies in, in, in that county yet? Because they haven't for the longest time for, for, for legitimate reasons. But, yeah, that... <laughs> um, 
that's that's interesting. What because I, I just think that while fundamentally disagreeing with the the Oscar, like we have to play in a theater to be qualified as a movie, I one hundred percent agree with Mike's sentiment about like for your own sanity. You kind of just got to figure it out on your own terms, you know? Like, I, I completely agree with that. We're, we are a bunch of nerds who just like watching and talking about movies like most people are on planet Earth, right? We're not yeah. running the, the, the big Oscar show. If we want to talk about what they should do, quite frankly, I think we have to devote an entire show to that because <laughs> I, I, I think I, – I mean that in a positive way. Like, there's a lot to talk about what needs to get fixed there. Yeah. But for your own sanity – just figure out what works for you. You wanna you wanna upload your top ten list November this month, November twenty twenty. No one's gonna stop you. You're allowed to do that, right? You if you've seen everything you want to see, like why not? You know, I I'll be like, okay, you're stealing my SEO bit, motherfucker. But like, you know, why? Like, it doesn't matter. It really does not matter un- unless you want to. F- you just figure out what makes you comfortable with what movies you're going to put on there. If you want to put Twin Peaks on there in a movie bracket, oh, fuck no. yeah, burn it all down, <laughs> baby. I'm all about that. Should have made it to the home stretch, motherfuckers. Okay. But, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, it's just yeah, no, fun. I do. Yeah. It's, just, it, it's just fun to, to, to create a list of movies that you really loved this year and share with people. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with that sentiment 100%. And it's not that I'm angry with you, Mike, about it. It's just that it's... I'm infuriated. No, I, I'm just I'm just fascinated by that viewpoint because I feel like I am so open to like what is a movie like in the last few years because of streaming. And but you know, there's I have a cutoff point. Like um like Queen's Gambit, which is like a mini series directed by all like Scott Frank, mm-hmm. you know, a good good friend of ours, Mike. Not really. Um like that, from what I've heard, I haven't seen it yet, like that you know is its own self-contained story and you know same director like i said and uh, i could hear the case for it being considered like you know a movie for the sake of like putting it on a top 10 i wouldn't hold anybody against that especially in this crazy year but this all brings up a good point for me because annually and this is another reason why i'm doing this 2020 series um every year i do the talk from society awards and I'm going to do it again, you know, for 2020. And I just realized I have to consider, like what Diego was saying, like, and what, you know, so what you were saying, Mike, just these rules and how they've changed. And especially with the Oscars, you know, extending their period, their cutoff period, and, you know, extending the bounds of what is a movie in terms of like what is shown in theaters and whatnot. Gives me lots to think about because I have to reconsider my rules for the awards, which. I love doing each year, but each, with, with each year, somebody comes up and goes, "Oh, does this count?" Is it, you know, does this, uh, uh, I, I had to consider like stuff that was released internationally, you know, mm-hmm. beforehand, but now I have to consider what's, you know, where something is released and for how long and what, yeah, what is a movie? What is a movie? Yeah, and, and that's something. Another thing about the Oscar thing is since everyone, I think, kind of wants to be on the same page in order to have the same discussion, like generally speaking like with all the other awards shows and everything like that everyone's top 10 list is not like oh i I live in chicago so you know magnolia comes out in january so that's a 2000 movie not a 1999 movie you know i mean like you got to have some sort of uniformity for the discussion and um you know that's another reason why it seems like the oscar rules just kind of make sense in general uh but 
I will say this for 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 you. This is because you tend to have, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, like maybe one or two categories that are a little off centered every year, right? You, you're talking about the Talk from Society Awards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, here's yeah. here's my suggestion for you. Okay. Feel free to disregard, but this is what I would do if <laughs> if I were Mr. Talk Film Society. I would oh. <laughs> I would do whatever anyone else whether you have the cutoff as, you know, December 31st or February 28th, whatever you do do it, okay? And and base everything along there. And it's it's ridiculous to not include streaming stuff this year because obviously that's what everything is. But right. I would have a separate category for theatrical motion pictures <laughs> and say like, okay, let's get weird. You know, what would you put as your top 10 or whatever? What is the top 10 for movies released in theaters in Los Angeles County this year? Which is basically <laughs> movies that came out between January 1st and March 2nd. That's going to be a super crazy, really weird, cool <laughs> list. And I imagine both of the movies that we're talking about today are going to be high oh, yeah. up on it. And that, totally. I think, is super cool. And, uh, and just to, to whatever, before I, I, I say that, what my movie is, I will say <laughs> Trial of the Chicago 7, which we were talking about, even though that doesn't qualify under these rules, I, out of the movies that I have seen this year that have been released, and I haven't seen Mank yet um, because it was just a little too scary going to a movie theater last week. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I get that, but yeah. Then again, Chicago is, you know, like, literally like nine times worse than than austin texas so you know whatever um trial of chicago 7 is the best movie i've seen this year sorry guys sorry guys it is i'm i didn't I'm make it it's not my fault and i'm gonna use it on myself <laughs> well just just to quickly touch on it because we don't uh, have Mike- to no, no, no. I, I'm going yeah, to because I, I watch. I, I watched the movie. This is the only reason why I bring it up. I got um, lucky. <laughs> yeah, Diego dodged the bullet there. Um, but Mike suggested it, and then you know, I think that day or right, the the morning after, I was like, "Fine, I'll watch it." <laughs> and I didn't hate it. It's good. You know, it's good. That's all I can give you, Mike. It's good. I don't. Um, I, I I do not understand the Aaron Sorkin hate. I don't understand where that comes from. I know it's like uh, the popular thing to do on film Twitter, and there's things that film Twitter does where I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the lurking variable here? What am I missing? You know, usually it's like, oh well, the guy who made it is an asshole, and I'm like, I can get behind that. You know, like yes, but I, I don't. I that's, mean, that's a big part. Like Aaron Sorkin, he seems like he's a jerk. But does he seem to be any more of a jerk than someone like David Fincher or any of these other people? I mean, I don't think so. You know, I I haven't seen anything that he's done, which has been like, you know... Worthy of cancellation, you know? Uh, Maybe maybe I'm not aware. But, like... I I just have to air a grievance really quick. Because Aaron Sorkin openly shit-talked the Writers Guild... Uh, with um, Todd Phillips in an old interview way back when Todd Phillips was was took, taken to one of those THR roundtables at one point before the Joker, so we <laughs> oh, let wow. that slide. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. But um, ever since then, I was like, "There's just no coming back." I, I've not been an Aaron Sorkin fan. Um, I did like West Wing when I first saw it when I was younger too. 
Um, the Social Network is still one of the greatest films ever made. You know, every even a broken clock kind of deal. You know, but and, like, and, like um, and that's the one where I'm like, that's fine. You know, like I haven't seen it since the theater. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's insane to me because that's a, for the for that's, the audio that's a listener, terrific film. I just I just winced like just confused, I, not and that just I, angry. Not that I've been avoiding it or anything. It's just like I mean, like someone was like, "Oh, Gone Girl is like Fincher's last movie," and I'm like, "Really?" And like I see Gone Girl come up like on iTunes all the time, and I'm like, "I need to watch Gone Girl again." But I haven't seen it since the theater. Uh, it's just one of those should. things where you know, same thing with Social Network. I mean. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, everything that it, it's not that I don't like the guy personally, Sorkin. Okay, he's my it's enemy. Just that, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. And I, I, I get the, I get the hate. Right. I just find his writing at times just a bit too pompous, a bit too arrogant. Yeah. A bit, a bit too preachy, and all of those issues are in Trial of Chicago Seven for me. But I think ultimately what carries it through in the end are, and and I should also say he wrote and directed it. That's two things. I wasn't a huge fan of Molly's Game for a lot of the same reasons, as much as I love Jessica Chastain. Um, but that movie, I think, works because of Chastain, ultimately. And I think Trap Chicago 7 ultimately works because of the performances of like everybody, even Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, everybody works their ass off to make that movie, I think, like very, very good and by the end watchable. But Sorkin is his own enemy. That's my ultimate take away from it. It's, I, it's not necessarily the fact that you know he reuses a lot of his themes, even like his dialogues, and you know it's it's an Aaron Sorkin picture through and through. That's a little annoying, but in the end, I don't know. It's entertaining. I liked it. Okay, that's again as much as you get from me, Mike. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. He he and, needs to go back to doing punch ups. On stuff like The Rock, that's what he needs to do. Oh, that's right. To, uh, he should never direct anything ever again. That's I, my. I don't know. My statement. I've seen both movies that he's directed, and I thought they were both great. You know, Molly's I, Game. I, did any human being on the planet finish Molly's Game? Like all the way through? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. It was awesome. How? I, I also saw it. In the <laughs> I, I bought the Blu-ray recently <laughs> because it was on sale, and also just Chastain. So. I'm gonna walk uh, into uh, traffic. I'm gonna go into a store without a mask on purpose. <laughs> okay. And just keep, embrace keep the virus. That in there, Diego. Keep okay. Uh, let's take Diego off the edge here, <laughs> uh, Mike. Let's forget about Chicago yes. Seven. Um, and also, you're from Chicago, Mike. Yeah. I, I ask you this again. Like, do you have any personal connection with that trial? I mean, does it, it's it's like a it's like of course it's Chicago Seven. Like, is does that play into your love of the movie? No, I mean it happened like you know, twelve years yeah, before so I was yeah. born or whatever. You know, I mean, it, you 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 don't see much. I mean, I know they shot it in Chicago and everything. Like, it was actually pretty cool. Like they were shooting it during the film fest, so. Um, Oh. Faden Papa Michael, the the cinematographer who also shot um, Ford versus Ferrari. So they were showing that. So since he was in town to shoot the movie, they're he's like, I'll show up, you know. So they had like a Q and A with him and everything, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, that's nice. But you know, you yeah. see like a few like landmarks and everything. But for the most part, like if they would have been like, they shot this in Toronto, I'd be like, yeah, I, okay, I, be- I believe it, you know. <laughs> So it's not like that, you know, it's not like The Fugitive or, or like Widows, which I mean is like if you want to see a movie that like really portrays Chicago the way it is, I mean, check out Widows. Um, but uh, I, I just, I mean, I, I love 
you know, most of Sorkin's stuff, you know, so it's, it, it definitely struck a chord with me on that level, but there was no like personal connection to it or anything like that. Gotcha. And, All right. Yeah. Okay. Just, just curious about that. Yeah. Speaking of personal connections. Yeah. What was your what, what was the movie that you, you said? Okay, fine. We won't talk about Chicago Seven, yeah. even though we just spent a good chunk of this yep, episode yep. talking about Chicago Seven. <laughs> Instead, what movie did you pick, Mike? Yeah, well, I picked the obvious choice. You know, the one that just why wouldn't we pick this? How come we didn't think about this? But Bad Boys for Life. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we did so many, so many. We did Bayhem. We talked about. Uh, Michael Bay for hours and then we both came out of it we, we, all three of us came out of it just eager for Six Underground and then then a few months after that, no, like a month after that this came out, Bad Boys for Life I need to just and, interrupt you for a second because I, I blame you guys for willing this into existence but I literally just this minute got a text from my mom saying hi honey we are trying to watch the movie about the chicago seven but can't seem to get it <laughs> what does she mean get it like understand it or log into her netflix <laughs> i think it's she doesn't know how to log on to netflix so if you don't mind me texting her back right now it's on netflix, netflix. let me know if you can't find it all right. Oh, boy. Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> Mama Schindler. <laughs> All right. But yes. There you go. Uh, I feel like we should have done a Bayham episode right after Six Underground, talking about Bad Boys for Life, because it, it seemed to come up right after we did Six Underground and that in series. And in January, this was such... I'll, I'll start it off, Mike, because I'll just say Bad Boys for Life. It was such a good surprise, and I've watched it again for this episode, and I'm like, yes, like uh, this is without you know Michael Bay being involved, this is as good as it gets for I think action sequels and also legacy sequels like this. Well, it's been like 15, I forget how many years since since Bad Boys Two. Well, that was in 2003, so 17 years. 17 years, wow. Jesus, 17 years, and it's it it feels like like these characters are the same characters. The action, a lot of it feels so electric, and I, I want I want to say the same as Michael Bay. It's close enough for me, uh, but I I dig this movie a lot. This would make my top ten, obviously, if that cutoff you said mike if we went from like january through march yeah this might even be i think by those standards like my number one of the year <laughs> I, I have to look back well maybe invisible man that makes my number one and then this number two anyway i like it a lot mike what, what what do you have to say about bad boys for life i like it a lot too i, I like the fact that i mean i the thing that I love about the first two movies is their insanity, right? So I, I, this does not have that insanity. And because of that, I, I'm going to say, like, I, I know that everybody thinks that this is the best of the franchise. I, I don't, but I, I still like it a lot. And I don't think it should necessarily be that. Um, the thing that, that I kind of love about it is it is this sort of, like, reflective take on the other movies, right? Like, it's not trying to do that again. It's saying 17 years have passed, 
things have changed. We're older. We're wiser. A lot of the stuff that we did back then, which we thought was cool, was not so cool. And, you know, let's uh, move forward. And and that's something which, you know, a, a, as much as I miss the Bayhem, like, I feel like this is a movie that Michael Bay would not have been capable of making. I, I can totally see that. Uh, if it's stuck to the script, like to the T, like that story, I think he would have said, I mean, we can compare this to Six Underground. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said on that episode, and I was thinking about this recently, how Six Underground is like Michael Bay is trying to do the like a post-narrative film. Like, <laughs> screw the plot. Let's just put images against images and do that for two hours. He would he would have looked at the a script for Bad Boys for Laughing and went you know you know with a red marker just like nope nope dialogue nope nope <laughs> and then it would have been a different movie I don't know if it would have been probably if you ask me maybe would it, it would have been better in a different way but I see what you're saying Mike it just he would not have had the capability to add this much depth I think mm-hmm. to these characters but Diego what what are your thoughts on Bad Boys for Life uh, I I. I'm one of the people that thinks it is the best of the series, but that is That's not to, that is not <laughs> to dismiss Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two. Well, Bad Boys. Here's my thing on that, because it is totally up for debate. Bad Boys Two, you have to be into Michael Bay to like appreciate. Like, if you're not, if you don't even like the first Bad Boys, I don't think you should show someone Bad Boys Two because they'll hate it. Right? Like, it's a repulsive, disgusting excessive film that's beautiful <laughs> that it exists um bad boys for life is like a movie with like scenes and moments and human beings and it has like this really really big heart that was really fun to watch with an audience i saw it in theaters four times mind you this no. was back in february which feels like it was 12 years ago but um every time the the, the audiences just ate it up um there's Stuff that would have been like like the the point of Bad Boys Two is kind of like to make uh, Marcus Burnett Martin Lawrence's character like the butt of the joke. He's not man enough until the end of that film, and then he shoots the villain in the head, and they land <laughs> on the right. landmine and they explode in case they weren't dead enough already, right? And then in this film, you know, you have that great moment where he's it's like it's a funny scene where he's him and will smith are trying to interrogate someone and he's like i'm trying to penetrate this man's soul with my heart and he's like yeah you're crazy what the hell and then that comes back at the end of the film when will when uh, uh mike has to talk to his son and it's like a very genuine human moment in a bad boys film which apart from the the chemistry between those two actors didn't really exist but i think this film also goes to show that like this film franchise like crossed over with a lot of people because they love Will Smith and they love Martin Lawrence and they love Mike and Marcus. And this film just like it totally captured that. I don't know how they did it. Um but it is if not the one of the most entertaining films of the year. It in a perfect world where the Oscars weren't run by cowards, it would be <laughs> on the top 10 like best picture nominees because that's that's what was going to happen and they're like we can't allow that because yeah we fucking we gave win. it to green book two years ago even though we gave it to parasite and that was the last time anyone was ever happy you know yeah it's uh, we should call the oscars uh, rule for 2020 where it extends and and opens up the guidelines we should call it the bad boys for life rule much like the, the when they opened up to 10 nominees it was like because of the dark knight mm-hmm. let's call mm-hmm. this what it is you know yeah. they're afraid that the number one movie 
of the year, Bad Boys for Life, still, domestically, domestic box office, you know, it should be a Best Picture nominee. <laughs> it should. And yeah. one of the surprising things in this is the performances, especially Martin Lawrence, who delivers a hell of a performance in several scenes, not just like the scene where uh, uh, Will Smith, like his character, you know, gets shot and he's in a coma and Martin Lawrence is like praying in a church. It's like not only that, but like throughout the entire thing, like he's, he's like in parts, he's still as funny as he was like 17 years ago. And at the end, yeah, those moments where he connects with, you know, Will Smith and oh, it's good. They're both good. And Martin Lawrence in particular, I, that's that may, that may be the biggest surprise of this whole thing. Like, wow, it, a bad boys movie got me emotional by the end because yeah, of these really. characters and these actors. Yeah, could I, I'm, I? I hate to do this, but can I again? Can I, it's, 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 uh, d- 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 is your mom texting you again? Yes, like, she says <laughs> they. I'm like, go to Netflix and search for Trial of the Chicago Seven, and she said they can't find it. Which I think they she can. means Netflix. Do you mind if I just take it just a minute and call? Yeah. Oh, we have it. Thanks. All right. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oof. Great. Yay, Sorry, Mars. guys. Okay. Also, right. also suggests uh, she watched Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, that, that should be easier to find because I just bought it the other day. So, yeah. There I'll tell, I'll tell her that. I'll tell her after you're done. I'll text her right now. After Do you think your mom done. would enjoy Bad Boys for Life, Mike? No, but then again, the other day I was over there and she's like, have you seen Borat 2 yet? And I'm like, I have. And she's like, is it good? And I'm like, it's fine, but I don't think you'd like it. And now this is, keep in mind, if you want to sum up my mom in like one yard sign, it's uh, what she has up in her yard right now, which is Catholics for Biden. Okay, that's my mom. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, she, I say, I don't, it's fine. I don't think you'd like it. And she said, well, I like the first one. And I'm like, okay, then oh, you'll probably you like this. It's better. <laughs> Was that I a stunning revelation? Like that, your mom she, saying, "I like the first four. It, 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 it was, it was, it was a bit of a shock. It wasn't like I mean, she's she's done things like that before, but that was a bit of a shock. I did not know that she was a Borat fan. Um, so, so there you go. I can't wait to hear. Uh, please tweet it out or message us, Mike. Your mom's review of Borat too. Okay. Please. Yes, right. please. Yes, please. We'll do. Or or, 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 or or take a mic to her and just and just record that segment. Yep. Um, what else can we say about Bad Boys for Life before we move on? Um, well, I, I will say this, which is interesting. Um, you know, I was talking to someone at work about it before it came out, and you know, there was this. I mean, like I was obviously super excited. I mean, you know, we did a whole show about Michael Bay and everything. I'm like, I can't wait for this. Um, but like everybody who I would talk to about it at work was like. You, uh, like, look, it may, this movie might be good, whatever, but you know that it's not going to do any business at all, right? Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it might do something. And then <laughs> this that movie ended up doing fantastic business, and another R-rated movie that came out, you know, right around that time, ended up not doing as well as as expected. 
just a random and movie. I mean, n- 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 nothing to do with that conversation. <laughs> if only I could look it up and see what movie you're talking about, Mike. Uh, Diego, let's turn to you. What movie did you end up picking for this episode? I picked Birds of Prey oh. and the Fantabulous <laughs> Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's the first time I ever said the full title and probably the last time because like, it's a, it's a weird title. Just, just call it Birds of Prey. That would have been fine. <laughs> that probably um, probably would have made a lot more money if they did that, which is probably why they officially changed the title a week later, a week after. Oh yeah, it came. wasn't yeah, like that, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey? Yeah, or which something is like terrible, that? but whatever. That which was is, weird. It's yeah. It's, like, they just couldn't. They just couldn't get it. No, no. <laughs> now, yes, yeah, so for those who not for those who cannot. Uh, who they're unable to connect the dots here. This is the movie that Mike was referring to, yes. <laughs> and I, I I saw it again just now. Birds of Prey. I love this thing. I don't I don't understand like why ten years removed from Scott Pilgrim is Mary Elizabeth Winstead in another comic book movie that fails at the box office that needs to be appreciated more. What what is happening? Diego, can you answer that? Just what's no, happening? I can't. Why? Um, <laughs> I don't know why that happened because it's. It's so good. It's got this great punk rock energy. Now it is it is coming from one of the biggest studios in Hollywood. You can only be so punk rock from that, right? And a yeah. spin-off from like one of the most profitable comic book movies ever made. Uh, this is significantly better than the film it spun off from by like no comparison. There's this there's no gauge to compare that quality difference. Like it's just not real. Yeah, like it doesn't I, I exist. Keep forgetting it, right. Like this is significantly it, it, a, a better it, film. It went out of its way to like Tr- to destroy that so that it could move forward, right? Like, it yeah. literally was like, we are destroying what came before, and we are building this movie on that movie's ashes. Yeah, and it kind of has the same energy you wanted from that movie, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's, it's vulgar, it's the, the characters are all nasty and despicable and the fucking each other over, and it's like, I called it like the the true successor to the last boy scout when i saw it because it's a mainstream blockbuster with characters that are repulsive trying to be a little bit better for just one day it's not going to solve all their problems not going to solve the world's problems but you know by the end of this thing hopefully they can kind of come out the other side dusting themselves off and looking a little bit better you know um and with that you have harley quinn and uh thankfully no joker in this film and I, I think it's also about, like, I mean, it's literally about the emancipation of Harley Quinn, but, like, it's also about these women trying to find out who they can be in a world that kind of doesn't really want them to be anything other than, like, stock, like, characters, you know? Like, they're they're yeah. all just trying to figure out, like, how, how do they, like, survive in the world that's, like, chewing people up and spitting them out, and uh, it's so awesome <laughs> like it's just it's just awesome i don't know it's right neck and neck with bad boys for life for me and i think those would have been neck and neck like for my favorite like action movies of the last several years you know like I, they're they're just great films unfortunately you know not not a lot of competition this year but like <laughs> there are other problems in the world so what are you gonna do yeah i was trying to think of like what other movies that were supposed to come out would have competed for like best action movie of the year on this level bad boys for life and birds of prey like maybe i guess we'll see about wonder woman 1984 black widow maybe i mean we we, we did have you know f9 coming out right yeah that that would have been something that would have been justin lynn's back yeah so and no no time to die you know 
Oh yeah. Like see there there was a lot of like movies that I was actually looking forward to from these big franchises this year mm-hmm. and I got two of them mm-hmm. out of yeah. like the dozen. Right out Which the I gate. Mean, <laughs> it, it in all the problems in the world, not the worst thing, but you know it is it is still kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean yeah, um it's interesting because it it was it was shaping up to be quite a year like just filled like nonstop with like movies like this like blockbusters that I, I like even no time to die I felt like was going to be something special yeah. and that was going to come out like in in April yeah. so of like mm-hmm. this past year and then F9 would have come out like in May um oh god yeah, now I'm just getting depressed to think about it <laughs> yeah. but no I'm glad we got these two so early on and I got to experience them in theaters I saw both these movies twice at least each uh, once each in Dolby Cinema that was great I missed that place um, Birds of Prey in particular it feels uh, it felt so refreshing getting this particular point of view from a woman director and a woman writer um, Kathy Yan does some amazing work like with the action, action sequences in particular and then also the small character moments and the breakfast sandwich sequence in particular is like one of the best <laughs> of the of the year and of of anything of any sequence. Um, and then I have to point this out because this really stood out watching it again today on my 4K Dolby uh, Vision of, uh, TV. The cinematography by Matthew Lipotek is stunning, and oh, it, it's a beautiful movie through and through. Same cinematographer I, as Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> there you go. It's, <laughs> it's that's perfect. That's I mean, so here, here's perfect. the thing about him, which I love. I mean, whatever. There's a lot of like things, like oh yeah, he had two movies come out on the same day, Venom and uh, Star is Born. You know, things like that. Yeah. But my absolute favorite with that guy is within like three months or something of each other, two movies that he did back to back: Josie and the Pussycats, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, perfect. God, come on, this guy. Wow. How many how many Oscars does does this guy have? I mean, he should have at least like five, yeah, right? I mean, no. He did the first Iron Man movie and everything. Uh, he did uh, the first two. Yeah. He, he defined the Marvel look. He did. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any Oscars, but he yeah, I, 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 I'm, yeah, he doesn't, which is a shame. Um, oh, I should also go back because like th- this is, I mean, speaking of, he was he was nominated for Star Is Born and Black Swan. Yeah. So. There we go. Yeah, yeah. but he didn't win. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what's what's coming to mind? What's like sticking out to me are those like technical awards and like who should be nominated for what? Like um, for Bad Boys for Life, uh, 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 Lauren, uh, uh, Lauren Lauren Bath. Ba- Bath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, doing the score for that—that's an amazing score. That like uh, it takes the theme from the first Bad Boys and just reuses it and adds his own thing. It's it's so good. I, I love that score, <laughs> that, that, and it's one of my favorites of the year. That guy has become like the number one guy, right? I mean, his score yeah. for Fallout is yeah amazing. And then you know, you look at like some of the other things. It's like he did the score for like Lego Batman and everything. <laughs> like he is great, and Six Underground too. Um, uh, yeah, I was gonna say that, that there's that connection. Six Underground. Yeah, he's great. Um, and yeah, he did Black Widow, which oh, will be coming up cool. eventually. Oh, okay. That's good. And it says here he's also tied to uh, 7 and 8, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible oh, 7 and 8. Oh, so, there you go. Interesting um, um, but also, on on the subject of scores, Daniel Pemberton mm. did the score yes. for Birds of Prey, which is very good. Uh, 
I, I think the, the score for Bad Boys for Life is a little bit stronger too. But to Daniel Pemberton, he's also coming up right now. He did Spider Man into the Spider Verse, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ocean's right. Eight, uh, Mike, your your boys' films, Molly's Game and Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, which has like maybe the most underrated blockbuster score of the last decade. Steve Jobs, like. This guy is oh the the Dark Crystal show on Netflix which no one else saw except for me. That score is, is incredible. That show was incredible. Deserved a second season. Shame on everyone. I also love you all. Take care of yourselves out there. But like it's <laughs> like, he, he's he's a talent. Yeah. It, it's Lauren Lauren Bath like Ludwig Göransson. Yeah. They're they're definitely the rising stars right now. This guy's coming in right behind them though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just want to shout him out. Yeah, into the spider versus the score is amazing. Oh, yeah, that yeah. score is is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so all that stuck out to me, and um, I, I, you know what? I, I'm thinking about it now, Mike. I'm gonna take your advice, and I'm gonna try to make a top ten of just theatrical films. I, I have, you know, I, I have a list. I'm gonna send it to you. Oh, I mean, it because at, at one point, like a week ago, I'm like, I could watch every movie that qualified like it can't be that hard it's only two months and then you look at like all the little things and it's like well it actually was still like 80 movies but you know like i have seen i i've seen like eight so far i feel like i only need to see like another 11 to like you know get that substantial whatever I'm gonna I'm gonna do it i i just need to watch 11 movies by the end of the year and then i'll, I'll have a definitive if- top 10 if you if you have a top 10 why don't you do you mind just saying the top five of, 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 of what that uh, mike's top 10 theatrical films of 2020 well i don't have it yet i, I mean I, f- I feel like i still need to see uh, more of these movies but um i will say that number one is birds of prey oh okay yeah, yeah. by far yeah yeah yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, like I mentioned earlier, I think Invisible Man would be my number one theatrical, and then Bad Boys for Life, and then maybe Birds of Prey, but they're all kind of interchangeable. Like, those three uh, experiences for me early on in the year were like, yes, because I, I love Invisible Man. That one was incredible, and like, le- legitimately, I think Elizabeth Moss deserves a nomination. Um, in a perfect world, totally. In a perfect yeah. world. But we'll see. Maybe maybe the talk from Society Awards will will hey, hey, yeah. trying to influence and, uh, the vote here. That doesn't seem exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're gerrymandering um, your podcasts. Yes, for for the <laughs> listeners of the podcast who vote in the awards, listen to me and write in uh, Elizabeth Moss, or I'll do it for you. I'll do it and I'll rig the entire thing. <laughs> uh, the, the, there'll be no recounts here. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. I think I think we covered. I think we covered all of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else that needs to be said about it. Um, but, but thanks, thanks for coming on. Uh, this was fun as always talking to both of you. Um, uh, before we go into plugs, well, let me start with the plugs. Is what I'm trying to say. Before I toss to you guys, I'll just say again, Trek from Society with the three of us. It's on Patreon right now. Patreon.com/slash/talkfromsociety. And uh, you also find Dream a Little Deeper and Steve and Destroy, two uh, great shows on the network, too. Uh, so all those three. And all the episodes of those are up, too. The first ten episodes of Steve and Destroy, the first five of Dream a Little Deeper, and all 14 of Truck Film Society are on the Patreon. Um, if you want to get them all right away, be a patron, support us. 
enjoy that stuff. Um, and then in the coming weeks, you'll find those on the free feed. But hey, why not just get them right now? Do it. Do it. Yeah. Um, Do it. So that's that's my plug. Uh, let's turn to your individual plugs, guys. Uh, let's go with Diego first. Diego, uh, where are the people listening find you online? You can find me at the Diego Crespo and at the Waffle Press, which is uh, my, my own little podcast I got going. I'm doing retrospectives on the, the Avatar series, which at the time of recording is wrapping up on the last Airbender cartoon. They'll be uploading the, the movie retrospective because everyone's got... <laughs> You, you, there's no surprise there. You know, you know what that movie is. But um, also uh, some some Christmas stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. A little noir centric episode um, because we don't do Thanksgiving episodes anymore. We're we're becoming very upset at that holiday, rightfully so, I would argue. But like, um, yeah. So all all that exciting stuff over there. So go go check that out. Oh, and Mandalorian recaps also because uh, I like that show now. Took only a year, but I like it now. So oh boy, yeah. I'm trying <laughs> it, to be positive. <laughs> It's a good show. I do like that show. Although I've only seen I, I, the first two episodes of this new season, but those two episodes are, are great. Yeah, third third one. You'll like the third one a lot. It bangs. I will. I will check it out. Mike, what about you? Plugs. Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles Three K. You can also find me on my website FilmDamagePod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, where we talk about film projection as well as uh, do commentaries for all the new Star Trek episodes as they drop and uh, also we do a show called Elementary Temporal Mechanics where we look at uh, time travel in movies and television shows and Star Trek from a I don't know scientific or logical perspective to see whether or not the time travel actually makes any sense in these movies so uh, you can find all of that at filmdamagepod.com and you can also find me uh, right here on the Talk Film Society uh, launching a, a show that, that, that just started apparently called uh, TFS The Season where we're going to be looking at 12 double features uh, of, of holiday movies uh, twice a week from now through New Year's and on the first two episodes uh, I'm on I'm on both of them and on the first one <laughs> my co-host is Marcelo and on the second one yeah. my co-host is Diego and both of those yeah. are out now so yeah. check that out and yeah. we won't be on all the other episodes there's going to be a lot of people from around the network and friends and everything so uh, be sure to check out TFS the season yeah, I, I'm glad you brought it up, Mike, because I was going to bring it up here at the end too. Um, I, I, as I said in the uh, in the first episode where we talked about Rocky and Contagion, um, I hope people listening will listen to it and have fun because that's that's something we need. Just listen to it, l- listen to some great people talk about great movies, and just have fun this holiday season. Because for some people, it might be a little bit stressful. Yeah. So yeah. anything anything that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to help us get it through get through it my cat is bothering me he's so cute <laughs> um, thank you guys for coming on this was fun um, can't wait to uh, come back again for a new series of something um, I think we talk about it on the final episode of Trek Film Society I won't spoil it now go back to that episode oh go to, listen to that episode right now on Patreon <laughs> that's my tease um, but yeah this has been fun, and as I always say at the end of these episodes, hey, uh, uh, I'll see you at the movies. No, I never say that. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>